0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Williams, and joining me today is my co-host, Jeff Clossy. Good morning, Jay Williams. How's it going? What? <laughs> You're refer to me as my full name? I just wanted to. Hey, Jay Williams. No, just, hey, just the Klossi. one time. This is just like the formality of beginning? Yeah, I just felt like doing that. Well, this may not be a very formal... I don't know what this is going to be like. We don't know what sound is going to come out, because this is VBS week at the church. So, so much fun. It is. You sounded... Like I it was so great. I literally left my
1: door open intentionally. Yeah. To just you glom onto the
0: energy in
1: the hallway. I'm like, oh my So here's
0: what's great about you saying that is I think I think pretty much every volunteer would say the same thing that you just said, um, with the same intonation with totally different meanings. <laughs> so like I, I could imagine be like, hey, so how's it going? It's so much fun. <laughs> person b it's so much fun and person a is having the time of their life and thinks this is all great and then person b is hanging on for dear life yeah <laughs> hoping to get through to the end of the week
1: well i have to say i i was trying to read the room like i went in to spy on spy on them when they're in their large group meeting and the all the leaders actually looked uh shiny faces this morning which looked good to me tomorrow i'm teaching i'm really excited i get to do some teaching yeah. for the large group. I know you did yesterday. Yep. I heard great things
0: about it. Actually, this morning, I'm not surprised. No, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> of course not. No, I did. The I'm, children I'm, who gave feedback to me was it wasn't as much fun as last year. I, I <laughs> honestly, my time to. Last year, I added musical elements. Oh, I and, remember the, that. Know. That was a bit over the top, maybe. I think mean,
1: you maybe when you really go over the top, then the year after is going to be hard to over the top it. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I can't to break can't codes top the at over some the top. Point. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. You're right. It's such a fun week, and now they're all we're recording, and they're all in their little. There's little stations right that they're at. So there's some kids outside playing. There's some kids in different rooms uh, doing different small group activities. So. So if you do hear a, you know, loud sounds or whatever, that's just part of the life that's going on here.
0: Life, yes. It is life at the church. Yep. Usually you just have to worry about Leslie making loud noises out, you know. Yeah, we have signs for that. We do. We have signs (laughs) for that. It doesn't stop her phone from ringing, (laughs) though. Um, All right. So we are going to talk about last weekend's uh, message on confession. So I did Psalm 32 and talked about confession which it's i don't know what you thought about that i mean there are a lot of things that i i guess i'd like to talk about um that we didn't that I didn't get to cover i really really my big aim in the time that i had was to try to convince people that confession isn't actually the act of confession is not actually meant to be a dreary um I mean, somber, it can be for sure and serious for sure, but but not like dreaded. I think that's the part. And I, maybe I wish I would have communicated that a little more clearly is that I think what we often do with confession is we, we dread it. But the reason to dread confessing sin is because you're afraid of what the response is going to be. And so the big point of the message was, well, we already know that God's response to us is that he already knows and he's already forgiven us the work of the cross is already taking care of this and so confession is actually just living in the freedom and and releasing it and and um experiencing active grace in that in that moment really right so that was that was kind of the big picture aim there are a lot of things i didn't get to touch on about confession but
1: i have to confess
0: that you haven't didn't listen to it
1: no no <laughs> I just I just wanted to say that phrase. Sorry, but I really think this is an important topic. I kind of I was thinking, man, we could use like multiple weeks on it because it is so important. And and I love how you you touched a bit on like the power of the ideas and images in our mind related to the even the word confess or confession. Like if you think interrogation, right, right, or like even like a movie where they're trying to get a confession out of someone and they're interrogating them, bright lights and you know, Russian accents or who knows what, you know, <laughs> sorry, I don't maybe you know can say so that much. we might have to cut that out, <laughs> but that's in Like every movie, that's yeah. always the the role, the Russian accent. But like, if you think of confession that way, like, fine, I'll give you what you want to know. Um, yeah, you're, this is going to be a dreaded activity, but like you said, if this is something that actually God intends to use to draw us into deeper intimacy with him, mm-hmm. than we could have imagined you know, we might not know what we're missing, and I think mm-hmm. that I'm hoping Sunday could be a jumpstart. You know, there was a season in my life following Jesus where I did not confess sins, and it was intentional. Hmm. I actually had a moment um, where it was re- I read some theology, and this this theology really de-emphasized confession, and and said there's no reason that you should be confessing once you are forgiven in Jesus, and I believed it. I was, you know, a probably late teenager, early 20s, college age. And I had a few, few, well, two years where I didn't confess, but this is what I did. So you can probably see through this pretty quickly. Um, and by the way, I was outspoken about this at mm-hmm. that time because I really was convinced that people were confessing in ways that were not life-giving. But what I started to do was I would say, God, thank you for forgiving me for and i would name the sin whatever it was and that's that's what my like basically that's the form my confession took even though in my mind i was not confessing but i've come to realize that actually was confessing so if you say to god i acknowledge this sin thank you for forgiving me for it that's a confession yeah but that was so different than what i had pictured confession being like i think for me what that like, errant theology did, that the, you don't need to confess your sins and you ought not, it has no place in the Christian life. What it did for me um, was help me to see that when, when a Christian comes to the Father and says, Lord, for example, let's just use anger, okay? I'm confessing to you that I'm angry. We do so with full 100% confidence that we are forgiven in Jesus, and that we are not, by even the act of confession, extracting forgiveness from God that he didn't already have for us in Jesus. So that's the point of that theology, that errant theology, is that everything that you need to be forgiven has been done in Jesus, which I
0: agree with. And so confessing is confessing unbelief, is, basically? Yeah, it's like, unbelief. Yeah. It's
1: like you're, you're saying now hmm. something else needs to be done. So that hmm. it's more complex than that, otherwise I wouldn't have bought into it. But, that's but, true. but what yeah. it did was it helped me because now I firmly believe confession needs to be a regular part of our walk with Jesus mm-hmm. like you preached on Sunday but I think it helped me realize like I did not think of confession the way you described it on Sunday and that prevented me from experiencing the joy of it
0: yeah that's interesting yeah the that errant theology and that's very gracious of you to say it, and that's what it is like it may not be heresy depending on what, mm-hmm. how complex or nuanced it is but it's so two things that makes me think of one is that it feels very transactional then like yes. they're viewing confession is very transactional that and, and probably then attached to a different errant theology, which often errant theology is a response to other errant theology. So you, you're trying to correct what's wrong with one theology by falling into a different ditch. And so, yes, there's definitely a theology like the old question of, you know, if what happens if, you sin and then you get hit by a bus and there there's theology out there that's like, well, then you're, you have to repent of every sin. Well,
1: that tormented me. That was part of it for me. That thought, like I couldn't, I Mm. could never confess enough because I was worried that I would forget to confess something. Which is
0: its own errant theology. It is. It's a different ditch. Then to go into the, the other ditch of saying, no, 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 that's, Actually, unbelief then to confess. Well, then, yeah, we do. De- we definitely have to define terms. And it's interesting that what you said you did in response to that was what was actually a much healthier form of confession. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, we talked about this a little bit about like grief and grieving over your sin and confusing all these different terms. But the act of confessing is just is getting it out there. Is is I'm declaring and recognizing and realizing that that's, you know, part of what Psalm 32 shows us is that's how we grow. It's it's how we grow. I mean, just not to, not to recap the message, but I really wanted to drive home the idea that these are the benefits. Like when you confess, you're reminded that you already are forgiven. So it's a reminder of that grace. You experience a deeper love because, you know, as I tried to make the point, you end up feeling more loved, not less because you're, you're, sitting there in the midst of knowing that, okay, God knows this about me, knew that I was going to do this and still loved me and, and gave himself for me. Um, but then it also is like kind of that teaching opportunity that as you confess, you know, that I, I, I confess my sin, my anger, when I spoke this way to, to my coworker, in doing that, and in that prayer, the Holy Spirit can come alongside and say, yes, that that is sin. This this is the way then that though I want you to handle that. Like This is a different way to respond in this situation. But what happens is if we fall into the ditch of like, well, I'm not confessing anything because I'm going into self-protection mode, then we become more and more stubborn and hardened in our ways. Or if we go the other way and we feel like we're, where confession is like I have to confess every sin so that I am forgiven and I'm trying to like earn forgiveness in some way of confessing everything um then that still leads us into more self dependency and self self defense and self righteousness It's just different you know different sides of that same coin um so I'm curious like so what what brought you out of that then like at what point did you was it just that act of just over and over then the realization that you were
1: I mean God Confessing. God intervened. There there was a so I was involved with the navigators at the time, who I ended up working for for, you know, 13 mm-hmm. years. And the the person who had been discipling me had probably one of the most loving but also confrontational conversations with me that you could imagine. And basically told me, I'm concerned. I think that you have been led astray in this area, and I want you to rethink this. And did it like with clarity and, but, but very lovingly. And it like, God just woke me up. I, mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm glad that you said that other ditch the, cause I, that was part of what was active in me. Mm-hmm. I, I have a very sensitive conscience and, and I think that actually is a gift, but it's also um, can be a curse mm-hmm. where I remember actually, so this is again, teenage years, right? So growing up and I remember confessing that I was confessing because what was happening is I'd confess a sin and I had that so attached to forgiveness that, that there's no way I would be forgiven unless I confessed it properly mm-hmm. and completely. That That's what was going on in my head, mm-hmm. okay? And then I would confess the sin again because I wasn't quite sure I did it right, but then I would realize that that was unbelief. Like, I didn't believe that Jesus had already taken care of it, so then I'd confess. It was a really bad cycle. Wow. So this, you don't need to confess theology because you're it's 100% completed in Christ, which there's truth in that, right? That's true, but... Um, that's still part of our relationship with him, ongoing confession. Um, that was really good news for me because it freed me. Um, but, but really, I mean, so this, this conversation and then, um, some Jerry Bridges books, and you probably heard me talk about him before sure. that his, his books on grace, like the discipline of grace really helped me, um, a lot to, to see the, the importance. So, you know, in the new Testament, it's, the first chapter of 1 John that is one of the more helpful chapters about confession. Mm-hmm. And um, like 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. And I had become convinced that that was only about initial conversion, that that verse was describing a person's like coming to faith moment with mm-hmm. Jesus. That's what that theology does with it. But now I believe that whole really the whole book of first john is about ongoing connection and fellowship with god not only a conversion experience and and th- that actually does massively change how you read those verses if you have one or other in mind um because every every christian would would agree i think that in order to come to jesus and to be along to him there has to be a moment of acknowledgement of sin yeah if there isn't i don't you know you're missing something massive right. <laughs> Uh the brokenness um, rebellion, right. In our, yeah. the way we talk about the gospel. Um, but then the truth is there's this ongoing, there's still brokenness in us, even after we come to him. And I, I love how you just said it like a few minutes ago, we can be shocked by that, but God is not mm-hmm. like, we are like, what in the world? And that's that can be a good response. Like I don't want that anymore, but God isn't surprised by that. So that's why I think the Lord's Prayer, Jesus was so clear about the need for both forgiveness with God that would be ongoing and forgiveness with each other that would be ongoing.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. It's it's interesting. I think a lot of people, so I think we all have had um, perverted understandings of confession. I don't know that everybody is as intentionally thoughtful as you. Like, I could totally see you reading mm-hmm. the theology and then like analyzing that. And then for some of us, we just react in a certain way or our experiences are a certain way. I know for me, a ditch that I would fall into was buying in and wrestling with the idea that um, I, I heard this a lot and I've heard people say it to me. Like, this was a very common. Um, doctrine or a common belief that w- it was espoused a lot, that repentance, um, confession and repentance means turning from. And so if you don't actually change your behavior, then you're not actually repentant. And that would like eat at me because then I would be like, okay, mm-hmm. well, if I'm not actually repentant, then that must mean I'm not forgiven because I know that I have to confess and repent of my sin. But even though I repented of that, I then... Did it the next day, which then I was being fed the idea that like, well, then that means you're not basically you're not truly sorry. Like if you're if if you've heard the phrase of well, if you were really sorry, you wouldn't you wouldn't do it again. And I'm always thinking when I hear that now, I think uh, that's that's actually putting a burden on your shoulders that you're not meant. It's not like you know. Robbie used to talk about how knowledge isn't our problem. If knowledge was the problem, then like it's not like you need to know you don't need a lot of data to know that um, yelling at your child is not productive. Mm-hmm. And yet like, so it's not knowledge. That's not the issue. Um, <clears throat> but I would also say in that, that it's, it's not, it's not just the knowledge of the sin. If knowledge that something was sinful was enough to stop us from sinning one, we wouldn't need the cross. Right. Exactly. Like God, Adam and Eve had knowledge. They knew what they weren't supposed to do. God wasn't hiding the knowledge from them. It, it wasn't like some kind of puzzle or code. It wasn't something that they needed to be older to understand. It was very clear. Don't eat the fruit. But because of sin, the perversion in our hearts, are we're rebels. That's why we talk about it as rebellion, because when we're told not to do something, that makes us want it more, because we feel like you know we're being held out on or, or whatever. And so this idea that that if i if you if you were really sorry if you were really repentant then you wouldn't do it anymore just like it enslaved me in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and it made confession a really scary thing because what like kind of what you were saying what if i don't confess properly and and then it would hold me back from confessing until i was sure i wouldn't do it again
1: Yeah, like like until you were sure you cleaned up your act enough and had things under control, right?
0: Which, which is completely false gospel, paralyzing too. And and I think the reason we do we say things like that is it's it's all behavior modification. Like we just can't handle the fact that people are broken and we're gonna struggle. And then it's like, well, if you, it's kind of like was the old argument of if you say that salvation is free, then people are just gonna pray a prayer and they're gonna live however they want to live. And I'm like, well, that's that's. Yeah, okay, but not someone that's actually saved and um and so but they're still going to struggle with these things. And so we we kind of ratchet up something, which is a lot what the Pharisees did. You ratchet it up because you're like, "Okay, well we gave you the knowledge, but you're still not behaving correctly, so I'm going to ratchet it up a little bit and make it a little higher stakes and make it a little stricter to make sure like we keep you in line." But that doesn't actually work. And so for me, it was really freeing to understand that no that isn't Actually the measure of repentance that yes Repentance is a turning from So it's like kind of manipulating the Greek Word there but like it is it's a Turning from something From unbelief to belief in Jesus But that happens Multiple times a Day day in and day out About all kinds of different Situations all kinds of different circumstances And I don't, I don't want to like remove the idea that we grow and we're to be sanctified. And yes, is there a way in which someone just keeps kind of flippantly repenting and then doing the same thing over and over again with no battle going on? Well, yes, but that's a different problem with a different solution. Yes. The solution to that problem is not to drive home in them. Well, then you didn't really repent, which means you're not really forgiven until you like, cause ultimately that's what it, comes down to is that theology then leads you down the road of you aren't forgiven until this is fixed in your life. Well, that's obviously dangerous and obviously not the gospel. And so we have to be really careful of that. So that was, that was really my, probably my biggest, um, obstacle to true confession was this belief just to kind of restate that it was the belief that if I didn't change it, then I wasn't really sorry. And so therefore I wouldn't confess something until it was like behind me. And I felt like I won't do that again.
1: Yeah. it not that interesting how subtle? Yeah. So it's like, I, I won't confess this till I don't need forgiveness or I don't feel like right. I
0: need forgiveness. And so that. Or for that's in the past. Yeah. Like that's the thing. It's always this, like, it can't be a present thing. Yeah, and And it is a present thing. Like repentance is a present thing in the midst of it because you, you, what you're repenting of is not just about this action it's the unbelief that got you to that place like it's the struggle of god i i confess to you that right now i'm not believing that speaking life in the situation or loving returning good um for evil is is the better thing like i'm confessing that my heart wants to return evil like you're in the midst of that like you haven't even made the decision of whether you're going to spew out that thing that that retort that will put them in their place or, you know, whatever the case is, say that hurtful thing back to them, do that hurtful thing back to them. You haven't even decided whether you're doing that or not. Like you haven't landed there. It's in the repentance in that, that that, that opens the gates of, of grace and the power of the spirit to like work in you and rescue you in that moment. And I that was just totally lost on me forever. about confession. That
1: is such a beautiful example of that point. I think one of the key points of what you made on Sunday, you know, for me, at least the motive and the, I guess it's for me a motivation and an end for confession is this greater intimacy and enjoyment Mm-mm. of God's presence and of relationship with him, and what you just described is someone who's living in close union with God, where they're in the moment saying, "Oh my i am I am having a hard time right now, like I don't even know if I believe that returning good for evil is is actually good mm-hmm. And in that moment, though, think about the intimacy with God that that person is experiencing. And it's not that God didn't know that, he did know that. But by entering into dialogue with him, then he's with you in it. You're not just in your head and stuck by yourself. You are actually in communion with God when you do that. Mm-hmm. If you think about the missed opportunity of not confessing in that way, it's to me, that is the thing that's scary, is missing that. And here's the thing. You, I think you quoted Piper mm-hmm. about his sin. I can't remember what the quote was, but it was related to how but he, he prays, needs
0: grace. He prays first for himself when they asked about his prayer yeah. life, and he said, I pray first for myself. And I remember the interviewer was kind of stunned. i was like, w- you pray for yourself first? And he said, yes, because I don't know anyone who's more in need of God's grace and mercy than me.
1: Yeah, that part. that yeah. that, that is very similar to when I finally met this Jerry Bridges, the guy mm-hmm. who I talked about. And I asked him, Can, give, me, give me something you're learning or you're learned. And he just said, every single day, I am in desperate need of the gospel of Jesus and his grace. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the reality that we all need to grapple with. The more, the more we grow, okay, the more we're sanctified, we become more and more like Jesus, the greater sensitivity we will have to the sin in our life that still remains and the more awareness we will have of how far, like how holy God is, And how broken we still are even though we're growing and so to me what we should expect is that the the more we grow in jesus the more intimacy we have with him the more we will actually need confession not the other way around yeah like oh now i've really got my act together that can be an instinct like we might feel well one day when i'm really obedient all the time i won't need to confess and i feel like the the more we obey the more we realize our motives are messed up or like you described, our heart in that moment is not believing, so we're obeying for the wrong reason, or whatever it is, I think that's all part of it. Mm-hmm. So to me, confession is something that we need to practice in the sense of be intentional about it. And as we're practicing intentionally, then I think throughout our days, those dialogues can happen where where God is in the middle of whatever the issue is that we're experiencing. And yes, yeah, so t- yeah. this is a really life-giving topic. I'm curious... As you dug into it too, there were a couple other things I wrote down from the sermon. But were there other like things that you felt like I wish I would have had time to go here? But there, this would have been like you know five part
0: sermon and way <laughs> I mean, too there, long. There are a couple of things. One one is short, and one I'd love to talk about more. the The shorter one is, it does go back to that definition of terms and saying so. What do we mean when we say confession? And what do we mean when we say repentance? Um, and and so. If your picture of confession is the is I, I would say Eastern European. That's the accent. Like, it's usually now <laughs> they do more of a generic Eastern European. Like, I don't know what do we went to know. And You're like, well, where are you from? Are you from like that was a good French Russian Polish? Yeah. Like, like, I don't know. <laughs> so um I think like it, it creates something in us that makes us like um, feel weird about it. And then and so sometimes We react to that by saying, well, then that's not healthy. So I don't, so I just don't do that, which is what you were kind of doing, talking about, eliminating that. I was delaying it until like I felt like I had officially, you know, fixed and no longer needed what confession brings. But the other word in that is like conviction, you know, you see conviction versus guilt and shame. And when you mess those up, you end up in one of those ditches. Like it's confusing these terms that like, we've all seen and we've probably experienced where we beat ourselves up and we think that the strength of our confession is how guilty we feel over it, which what is that? That's just a projection of what we do with each other. Like if someone apologizes to you, I mean, how often do we like what we're really saying is I I want, I want to know that you're really sorry. And the only way I can know you're really sorry is if you feel badly enough for it. Well, that's, that's not how God receives our confession or our repentance. He already knows. He knows our heart. So, um, so the answer, true confession and repentance, the answer to that is not to heap guilt and shame on ourselves um, and to beat ourselves up over it. But that's not the same thing as conviction. Like the spirit brings conviction, but he doesn't pour on guilt and shame. And and so just just learning to separate those things and to say, I feel conviction over this. I've had, um, there have been many times in my life where I'll feel conviction over how I handle the situation. And I'll confess that. And sometimes I'll confess it to the you know, I'll confess it to the person, confess it to God, and the person will seek to kind of justify me and like, oh no, you don't need to worry about it. You shouldn't feel badly about that. And it's kinda of weird. It's a weird situation to say, Well, I don't know that I feel badly about it. I, I'm sad that I made this choice. I feel conviction over it, that it was um, this wasn't the right way to handle it. But I'm not like losing sleep over it. Like I'm not beating myself up over it. I'm not like, you know, racked with guilt and shame because I do one. I believe that I'm forgiven. I'm really thankful that the spirit convicted me of this to give me insight in this. I'm grateful that he's giving me counsel and wisdom on how to handle this differently in the future. And I just wanted you to know that, that I I'm not happy with how I handled that, like I felt conviction over that and which is also meant to be an encouragement to you that the Lord is looking out for you and, and helping you deal with all that. Um and that's not the same thing as like going into a pit of despair just like, you know, how how horrible of a person I am that, you know, I made this joke and it wasn't funny, you know, or whatever the case is. So so that was one thing that I, I probably would have um could have dove into a little bit more of just saying the response of conviction and a healthy understanding of what conviction is, which leads us in, and, and the idea that it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. And that's something I wish I would have mentioned of how like, that's, that's how God actually leads us into confession. And if you watch the life of Jesus, that's how he leads people into confession. He never leads people like his rebukes actually rarely lead to confession. It's it's his gentleness, it's his healing, it's those kinds of things that then someone all of a sudden, you know, you think about Zac um Zacchaeus and and how it's his kindness to Zacchaeus and his love for him that actually makes Zacchaeus like repent and confess and and declare how he wants to make how he wants to change. And so that is how God um, deals with us. Not that He doesn't rebuke ever. Not that you know you you received a, a loving rebuke from from a friend. To you know yes. when you're dealing with that. So that is a real thing. So that's that that's kind of one piece dealing still with that you know kind of vertical confession. But the whole other side of this that I I alluded to was the idea of confessing to God. Um, I touched on it a little bit, but I. I would have loved to have been able to spend more time on what does that look like to confess to one another? Like, how do we go about, um, you know, confessing our sins? Should we, should we confess our sins to one another? How do we go about doing that? What's the point of confessing our sins to one another? Um, we know that we're, you know, we're supposed to obviously because James, um, five 16 says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Um, that's the, that's the first half of the verse that we often quote of the prayer of a righteous man has great power as it is working. It's interesting that that's in the context of confessing Mm -hmm. sin to one another. So how, how do you see, let me ask you this, what is the connection between confession to God and confession to one another? are they totally separate things just totally separate disciplines totally disconnected from each other um or is there is there a connection and a and a a flow to those two
1: that's a great question i i mean you know one sense they are separate and one sense they're not so when we confess to god we do so because of a of a, a relational offense right like ultimately our sin is relational with god and so we're, we're confessing there, and um, I guess it depends on what the confession is. So, if, like, the example of I'm confessing to a person who I've wronged, that I've wronged them, that's that's similar, right? There's a relational wrong that's happening there. But say you and I are just, we're walking together, and and we're just literally walking down the road, and I'm saying to you, man, I've, I've been dealing with, like, impatience, and this is what it's looked like in my life. Could you pray for me, like, I need God's strength, one, to, to know I'm forgiven, remind me I'm forgiven. So in that moment, you get to remind me of that, right? Like what Jesus did, but also then you walk with me. And so I, I think that to me, that's like the healthy picture of what confession looks like. Again, it's not interrogation. It's not this guilt-ridden thing that if, if you don't do it, you're just your bones are burning. Um, I do think there's a massive release that comes from having someone who can walk with Jesus with you. And who can be, basically, you're linking arms together and saying, so, so maybe my my sin of the moment is impatience, and, and your sin is some other sin that we're just very aware of. Um, we can have two different things we're dealing with and still help each other. And I think that's what happens when we confess to each other, is that the other person can have faith in a way that we don't necessarily have in that moment, too. So I'm drawing, I guess I'm painting a picture more than giving you just yes or no, because I do think a healthy life of confession with God will lead to a healthy life of confessing with brothers and sisters. But Mm -hmm. I, I think if you don't have with God time where you're doing that with him, the chances of you doing that with other people in a healthy way is very small. Um, but I think both both are needed. What, how would you well, add or I think correct? Or? You,
0: I think you had the key phrase there, in a healthy way. Because yes. one thing I see a lot is a willingness to confess to others, but not to God. And I think one of the reasons we do that is, I, I again, I alluded a little bit to it, but I'll confess my sin to people who are going to tell me that my sin isn't that big of a deal or that it's understandable. So all the things that, so all the things that, We I talked about on Sunday that we seek in ourselves or that we should be seeking in God can also be mirrored in other people. So in other words, the unhealthy form of self-defense, self-justification, self-righteousness leads to an unhealthy confession to others where we're expecting them to defend us and justify us and declare us righteous, right? So, this is so common in our culture. Oh, I feel badly how how I do that. so I, I feel some conviction. so then I go maybe I go to you to tell you about that, but I'm doing it so that you will tell me it's okay. It's not that big of a deal. You'll tell me all the ways that I'm actually a good person and and how the other person deserved worse than that. And you know it's not that big of a deal. Well, what is that doing? you're I'm looking to you to declare me, yeah, like to be my refuge, to d- be my defense to be my justification and Christ is meant to be all those things. So that's the negative form. So I would say be careful of that kind of confessing. And one one of the ways that like sometimes people just do that because they're they think it's the kind loving thing to do. Yeah. Often because they think that the person's beating themselves up. So again that goes back to the conviction versus shame and guilt. So it is true if I if someone confesses to me and they're experiencing shame and guilt in it, I I don't want them to experience that, but I don't want to stand in the way of their conviction. Also, if they are dealing with shame and guilt, I don't want to resolve that for them. I want to turn them to Jesus so he can resolve that for them, if that makes sense. It does, Uh, because the
1: first thing that came to my mind when you said, I don't want them to experience guilt and shame, that might be helpful for us to talk about, is just the follow-up to that statement, why not?
0: Why wouldn't we want someone to be experiencing guilt and shame? Well, I would if they're in Christ, I don't want them to experience that because then that means that they're running from Him rather. Than, yes. That's not the experience of the Spirit. That's that's a different voice that's heaping guilt and shame on them. Yes, and so I don't want them listening to that voice. It, it guilt and shame is going to drive them away from Christ, whereas conviction is meant to draw us into His His mercy and His grace. Yes. So so the unhealthy form of that then it leads. So I think where I'm. What I love what you said is it's a healthy confession to God will lead to healthy confession to others. And and it's kind of cyclical. Healthy confession to others, to people who are healthy, will lead us to healthy confession to God. But an unhealthy so we so we looked at the unhealthy. So an unhealthy confession is is self justification, self defense, self righteousness, all these different things. And that's gonna lead and and be fed by unhealthy confession to others who we know are going to take our side, who aren't going to say hard things to us, are going to just tell us basically, essentially absolve us of guilt and absolve us of the sin. The healthy version, though, just like we talked about on Sunday, the healthy version is I confess my sin to God because I feel this conviction, and in that I experience a deeper intimacy with him, I see the depth of his grace, how his grace abounds, so I'm I'm forgiven. I feel more deeply loved in seeing the depth of his love through the cross. And I grow in in wisdom. So we talked about those those things. Well, that is mirrored then in healthy confession to one another. So if I even in James 5 here it says that you and pray for one another that you may be healed. So what's going on there? If I confess sin to you, you, you talked about it, impatience. If I confess that to you in a healthy way, which is I'm looking for help to go to Jesus and to actually receive all the benefits of that, and if you are in a if we're in a healthy way, then you are pointing me back to Christ. So you are reminding me, like you said, reminding that of the gospel, reminding that in in Christ, this has all been forgiven reminding of the affirming the beauty of listening to the Holy Spirit. Like sometimes I'll do that when someone says, man, I feel conviction over this. I'll say, praise God that the Holy Spirit is, that, you're so, that your heart is soft and is receiving that. It's a wonderful gift and a wonderful sign. It's kind of like when you go into a doctor's office and they poke at your foot, you know, or they want to they want you to feel pain. If you don't feel pain, that's a bad sign. If you do feel pain, that is like okay, good. The body is working properly. So when someone says they are experiencing conviction, then I I want to praise God for that. Like that's a that's a sign that you know that your spirit and your soul are, are working. Your conscience is working properly and in, in a healthy way. But then, I want I want you to feel the kindness of God and saying like, let's go to Him with that, and then. Counsel and wisdom, the Holy Spirit will use others to not only pray for healing of that, but also to give instruction and counsel and wisdom. So we talked about that, like that's part of the benefit of confessing. The Holy Spirit can instruct and give wisdom, but he can also do that through others. And so you may have something for me. You may have a a way um, to kind of reframe my thinking about something so that impatience kind of goes away. Or you could give me something like you've said before about, hey, why don't, I, let's, let's develop like a, an, a, an aptitude or ability for patients. So the idea of like choosing the longest line at the grocery store, like all of those different things happen in a healthy confession to one another.
1: And, you know, it might even just be like a helpful question, mm-hmm. you know, like that a friend says, so what circumstances tend to bring that out most? Like, when yeah. do you experience that? And yeah. that's not done, like, again, interrogating, that's unhealthy. It's done in a, help me understand so I can pray, so that I can help you. You know, ultimately, in that moment, I was thinking, so how do, what's the healthy response look like? You know, if it's not downplaying, it's not reassuring the person that it didn't really matter. To me, I don't know if this was Luther. It's one of these old saints, right? And they talked about our role being... To shine a light on the source of light.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And like, imagine you're in a dark room and you're the one with the flashlight, and all the person needs to do is go to the light switch to solve the problem of like groping around mm-hmm. the room and tripping and stuff. And our job in that moment with a friend, follower of Jesus, is to say, like, and to help them see Jesus, Jesus, let's go to him. Sometimes I'll ask a person, how has confession, what has it looked like so far? Like, when you've gone to Jesus, how has that gone? Because sometimes I want to know, is my friend believing that he is the source of what they need? It's like if if a doctor, right. if you had um, a sickness and it could be cured with antibiotics, just basic antibiotics, and they gave, you prescribed you this medicine and you were convinced actually what was curing you was the water that you drank with the medicine. That's pretty dangerous because you might just stop with the medicine completely. Right. Right. Um, but there's a correlation there. Every time I drink water three times a day like that, I'm getting better. We do that with sin. Like mm-hmm. every time a person tells me, actually that's not that big of a deal. That guy was a big jerk. Yeah. I feel better. Yeah. Like it's a it's but what we want to do is say, actually, no, the pill and that the actual medicine is Jesus and his gospel of yeah. grace. And so whatever we can do to point our friend and join them in, because when are we ever in a situation where we can't also say And you know what I need prayer for? (laughs) Right. Like we're never going to be, we don't need to make it about us, but I mean like we join in, (laughs) we join in like with empathy and love and great faith in that moment for that, for our friend.
0: Yeah. And that's a good reminder that the enemy, the enemy will push us in whatever direction where our momentum is carrying us. So, so that is the flip side is that if he can't keep you from confessing or, Leads you into self-righteousness of absolving your own guilt, then he'll pile on the other way. And so I think what we have to remember is when we receive confession, and so I know this is kind of going away from confessing our sins, but how we receive confession, but they're obviously very linked, um, we need to make sure that then you know, we're not the judge, right? So I can't absolve you. If you say many, many times I've had somebody confess to me, hey, I feel conviction over this interaction. And many times I have said something along the lines of, listen, I, I don't know, like in that situation, if you're feeling conviction over the, from the Holy Spirit, then listen to him. Like I don't, I, I remove myself from judging whether it was actually the right thing to do or right thing. I want them to go to Jesus. I want them to hear from the Holy Spirit because maybe through that they'll realize, oh, actually what I thought was conviction was just I felt sad because I had to say this hard I, I needed to say this hard thing to this person and they were upset about it. So I felt badly about that. Well that's not the same thing as conviction over sin. You might just be grieving over the fact that, man, you said that it needed to be said and they reacted poorly and that's that's sad. So what's the um, question you ask well, again
1: in that situation?
0: Like how do we say that? Oh I just I I just just trying to get practical. I don't like know. Like, it's not so much a question. I just basically, I just, I absolve myself of absolving sin. Like, okay. I just don't try to become the judge in the situation. I might just ask, like, so what about that? What do you feel like you're being convicted over? Okay. Like, why do you, what are you seeing as conviction? Because sometimes somebody will say, no, I feel really badly about that. I feel conviction over it. And then you start listening and you're saying, ah, that you actually did objectively the right thing in there. So is are you getting confused of like what's conviction? But there still could be conviction in there. You may have done the right thing and you left feeling very self-righteous about doing the right thing, right? And yes. so then your conviction might be, I said this thing and, and we might all say, yeah, I think you needed to say that thing in that moment. I certainly don't think that in and of itself was sinful. And then, but maybe the confession is, and I felt really smug about it. Because I felt like I put them in their place. Okay, well now that, so so I'll just dig a little bit. If someone confesses, like what is it? What is it that you're actually feeling conviction for and and over? But still, ultimately, I'm just turning them back to Jesus. And and that the the awesome thing is when you point someone back to Christ, to and to listen to the Holy Spirit and to receive what Christ has, then He is the one that hems them in. I don't have to. So I don't have to protect the person from beating themselves up if I'm pointing them back to Christ and they feel his comfort and his forgiveness. I don't have to try to make someone feel more conviction, like make them say, I don't have to like convince them that this was actually worse than it seems like they're thinking it because if I turn them back to Christ and listening to the Spirit, they will hear his voice and feel that conviction. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I think a lot of times when we receive confession, we're trying to, we're trying to resolve things for people. And the reality is, in a confession situation, we don't have the ability to resolve anything. I can't absolve you of your sin. I can't forgive you for your sin. I can't I can't change you. What I can do is speak truth in love and grace and point you back to Christ, who in the power of the Holy Spirit can do all of those things, can forgive you, can comfort you with a depth of comfort, love you, and change you
1: amen to that. It's it's interesting in that moment what we're doing another way of like thinking of that is we're reminding people what God has promised yeah. and what Christ has accomplished. Yeah. Right? And and we need that. Like I I think sometimes we can be afraid of saying what seems so simple and basic in that moment. Like yeah. for example, you are forgiven in Jesus if you you know, uh but we need to say that. Like if we're feeling that, we need to say the obvious basic gospel truths to each other. We need to be reminded of them.
0: Yeah. And one way that we can do that together. So it's one thing when someone comes to you and says, Hey, I, I feel conviction over this more often. What we get even like between you and me is we're just relaying how something went, maybe a frustrating circumstance, maybe like, ah, I was at the store and you know, this happened. Here's another practical tip of like how do you steer someone towards Jesus? Like if you're hearing a friend um, speaking about something, you know, a situation, an interaction with somebody else, and you're thinking, like, man, I, I, I think, I think there may be some, like, there should be some conviction going on here. Um, like one thing that you can ask people is, well, how do you feel? How do you feel about how you responded to all that? you just think about your response to this situation and usually what we do is like if you said to me like well hey how do you feel about that interaction you just had well you know but you know they did this thing like whatever but didn't try to isolate it say hey i get it like that that must have been really frustrating i understand like why that is so frustrating and so i'm not i'm not like trying to tell you like how you should feel about any of that i'm just curious like if you just kind of isolate your responses How do you, how do you feel like what was going on in your heart? And sometimes people can be like, you know, I felt really, I was feeling really angry. And then when you realize like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to feel that way or I really wanted them to hurt too or, or whatever. So that's another way that we can help one another in our confession. The reality is nobody owes me any kind of confession, but we can cultivate a culture together where we, where we help, um, eliminate kind of the negative stereotypes <laughs> of confession and actually turn it back into what it's supposed to be to say to somebody hey you don't you don't need to you don't need to fear confessing to god like yes that person said all kinds of hurtful things to you they will give an account for that and so you don't need to worry that by confessing yeah i i felt anger in that moment that was not righteous anger you don't need to worry that by confessing that it absolves that person of everything that they did or absolves that situation or says like, oh, none of that was a big deal. You're just dealing with your own heart between you and God, and we're helping you do that, which will deepen your intimacy with Him. It will help you grow in Christ-like maturity. That's the beauty of confession. So I I hope we can I mean that and and as we're talking about this, just reminding you we have to do this in community. Yeah, we do. It's not just an individual thing. And so that was, that's probably the big thing, and it's probably a good place to to land in just encouraging people. This is why we need to be in community. And when we talk about community, there's a lot of different definitions, but this is one of them. One of them is, do you have people that you could confess your sin to and that they would point you to Jesus? G- Not a community that would absolve you and would try to be Christ for you in that sense, but a community that will love you in the midst of it that won't judge you in the midst of your confession but will also turn you and will turn you back to christ that's that's real community and if you don't have that then let us know let us help you find that because that's so critical to walking this this life of following jesus you can reach out to us at faith All right, connect at faithpestigo.com or you can fill out a um, communication card here on on Sunday or online. If you're watching, if you stream the service online, we have online communication cards. Um, Or give us a call uh, so that we can walk with you through this. We appreciate you listening. We hope it has been helpful. And until next time, grace and peace.